to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Hi, it's Paul here from Bible Feed, and we're back, and we're doing another overview of a biblical book. And as before, when we've done these, our aim is to fit these into the overall biblical story in which they appear. We're going to look at the structure, the key themes, so that when you come to read it for yourself, you've got a bit of a handle on, on what to look for and how to read it and what to get from it. So I'm joined here by Lawrence. Welcome, Lawrence. Hello. So what are we looking at in our Bible book introduction today? Well, we're looking at something a little bit different today. We're looking at a tiny, tiny book, a tiny letter in the New Testament. This is the letter of Paul the Apostle to a gentleman called Philemon. It's very different to the large sweeping books that we've considered already. We've spent time looking at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, etc., but here, we're fixing a relationship between two individuals. But as you may well imagine, with a letter in the Bible, it tells us so much more. Okay, so it might actually take us longer to discuss this little letter than it would take just to read it. I think it's the shortest of, of Paul's letters. But there is something that we need to just get out of the way early on, and that is, how do you say his name? Is it Philemon or is it Philemon? <laughs> That's a... It's an age-old bone of contention, maybe, between different folks. Now, I'm going to use Philemon just because that's what I've always said. But you feel free to say Philemon if you if you so desire. Okay. Well, I I think we can settle this this debate once and for all because my my Bible app has a pronunciation module to it. So let's see what it says for Philemon. Here we go. Philemon. There we wow. go. Did you get that? I did get that. <laughs> Philemon. 
Okay. So are we going to say Philemon all the way through? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm confused about what to say now. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce this book. Philemon. I'm going to say Philemon. Okay. Let's stick with that. Yeah. Okay, so Philemon, this little letter, where, where is it in the Bible? Where does it fit in, in the whole sweep of the story of the Bible? So this is nestled just between Titus and Hebrews in the New Testament. And it's during the time after Jesus has ascended. So refer to Acts 1 if you want to know about that. And it's during the time when the apostles are carrying out that task they've been given to spread the gospel. Um, okay. And during that time, you get lots of interesting letters. Some of them, quite a lot of them are written by Paul the Apostle, and they deal with, you know, things like correcting points of doctrine and and conduct and making sure that believers are keep their chins up and that they're all spiritually uplifted and they have encouragement for these new communities who are following Jesus. So this one in particular is to an individual whose name is Philemon. And he's probably living in a place called Colossae. And we're trying to repair a relationship between Philemon and a runaway slave called Onesimus. Okay, so very different from those sweeping narratives that we've been looking at in the Old Testament book introductions that we've been doing it, it's a much more personal thing it's it's a piece of correspondence between two people that we're we're looking at and and actually we're only looking at sort of one half of the correspondence we're, we're looking at, at Paul's so we've got to I guess make some inference about what's going on what prompted the letter what situation and circumstances prompted it so you mentioned Colossae as as where Philemon was you know is that is that a place that we we can visit today is it some somewhere that we might be familiar with with today and 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 why is Paul sending letters to this place what? so many questions well yeah so you could go and book tickets to Colossae today from your local travel agent it's not quite the same as it was back then I believe they had a pretty major earthquake several years after they would have received this letter it's in Turkey modern-day Turkey, which would have been known at the time as kind of, well, within the New Testament times as Asia Minor. And this letter is thought to be dated around about AD 60 to 63. So like we've said, after the death of Jesus and his resurrection and ascension and during that early spread of the gospel. And it's written by Paul the Apostle, who he was a prisoner at the time, probably in, in Rome. And he was sending this letter by a gentleman called Tychicus, And it's probable that he had two letters with him, his little leather pouch. He was sent off with two letters in it. One of them was to the church of Colossae or at Colossae. And then also this private correspondence to to Philemon as well. Okay, so that's good. That tells us a little bit about the place, you know, the person who brought these letters, one to the the community, the church community in Colossae, and then one, this, this private letter to Philemon himself. So is there anything else about you know the the culture of the time the the historical context of this city of Colossae and the kind of situation that early believers would would experience there Yeah well so one of the people who's involved in this book so the runaway servant or the runaway slave is Onesimus so it's probably worth just understanding and getting out in our heads you know what is the cultural context of of slavery at that time and in in Roman society kind of in the AD 60s so let's take ourselves back to the mm-hmm. AD 60s 
it was a widely practiced and commonplace to have slaves. And it's not something that we, we have today here in the Western world. We don't really have any reference points to understand what that was like. There was actually, I found a very interesting exhibit at the British Museum, which is titled Nero, Man Behind the Myth. So go and look that up. So it's a fascinating exhibition. But as part of that, it did reference kind of societal relationships between people and slaves. And there's one quote, which is quite interesting. It says, under Roman law, enslaved people had no personal rights and were regarded as the property of their masters. They could be bought, sold, mistreated at will and were unable to own property, enter into a contract or legally marry. So a real, um, you know, lower class, or they were seen as as property. They weren't like seen yeah. as people, really. So it's so it it's what you'd expect. How we understand the word slave. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the 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 kind of archetypal sort of image of what a slave would be. But then you look a bit further in the context of what we're looking at, particularly here with Anisimus, is there's some comments about how the slaves are treated when there's a misdemeanor or something's gone wrong. Now, this particular one was, you know, somebody killed somebody in the household staff. But there's a quote here. Let me just read it. There's also examples of executions as punishments for enslaved people working in households. In AD 61, so this is bang smack in the time that yeah. we're looking at here. So in AD 61, under the reign of the Emperor Nero, a distinguished senator was murdered by one of his household staff. Despite protests by the people, Nero backed the Senate's decision to uphold an existing law. It was stipulated that all enslaved members of the owner's household should be executed, a ruthless collective punishment intended as a deterrent. So wow. pretty harsh wow. punishments yeah. for, for misdemeanors of, of servants. And so with one of our characters, Anisimus, being a returned runaway slave who may well have stolen from his master, we should really get in our minds the gravity of the situation here. Okay, yeah, wow. That's a, a, a cultural norm that, fortunately, most of us, you know, just have no reference point for that. No, that's no part of, of our experience. So here's another question. How many times had Paul gone to Colossae? So obviously, you're trying to trick me out with the, with the pub quiz question there. Interestingly, Paul had not visited Colossae. And so this was a church that he'd obviously just heard about. He'd heard the effect of the spread of the gospel. And he probably heard from travelers that, because he was in Rome, he probably heard from travelers and prisoners in the area. Probably this gentleman called um, Epaphras. So if you, if you see that Epaphras is a character that's mentioned in verse 23 of Philemon, it's also mm. a character that's mentioned in, in Colossians as well. And he's called a fellow prisoner. And so okay. maybe he was a fellow prisoner with Paul at the time. And he explained, you know, this, this church that was in this gentleman's house, Philemon. So as you describe this letter, it's, it's the smallest of the letters of the Apostle Paul that we have in, in the New Testament, 25 verses. So when we think about structure, there's not really that much to say, is there? Or what is yeah, there no. to say? So you can breathe in your miss it kind of <laughs> structure. So... Well, so like any any good letter, if you were being taught to write a letter at school, you'd be taught to have a beginning, middle, and an end, and that's the kind of structure you see. You don't have these, or that, that I can I can determine like too much of an int intricate kind of chiasmic structure that you might see in some of the larger books that we've mm. we've looked at that kind of point 
point to you know key messages. What we have here is a beginning, a middle, and an end of this book. So the beginning and the end the kind of the usual sort of greetings and saying hello to them and and calling them fellow soldiers and 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 talking about the church that's in your house so that's interesting isn't it that the colossian brethren and sisters would have all kind of gone to church in Philemon's house and so it was probably important to try and resolve this situation he's a a prominent member of this christian community then yeah, so it seems like he's a, a rich man. He's obviously got a large enough house to have a whole church in. He owns slaves. He, at the end, you get a request from Paul to say, could you make me some rooms up so that when I, if I do come, I can, I can have somewhere right. to stay. So he's obviously a well-to-do gentleman. He's got a large enough house. The church is in that house and his family is also associated with it. So there's some characters that we find in, in here that are probably either his, his son and, and, and wife as well. So he's well wrapped up with the things that are going on in the church in, in Colossae. So that's a little bit about the opening greeting and what he's saying at the end as he as he signs off. But what's the middle section about? Yeah, so what is the letter all about? It's just kind of the payload, as it were, of the okay. of the letter. And that starts so you have this greeting that kind of runs to verse four, and then like the payload starts here. And so from verse four we have Paul basically saying, I've heard about the love that you have for the church and the good things that you're doing. And then from verse 8 to 22, this is the main chunk of the letter, is this heartfelt plea from from Paul to to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And Onesimus now, it transpires, you know, plot twist, is now a brother. So it's somebody who's been baptized, has recognized Jesus and been baptized. So now Paul is talking about him as a son. You know, this is somebody who I have almost given birth to. And now he's pleading with Philemon to please receive this, this Onesimus, this new brother, and uh, to receive him in love. That's what the main structure right in the middle of this letter is all about. Okay, so it clearly has a very personal message in that payload, as you put it, of the letter. But it's very short. But it seems like it's just about the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus and and here it is, part of the New Testament in uh, scriptures. The you know the the whole package that we've got. Why is why is it there? What what are we supposed to learn from this? What sort of themes do we get from this as 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 lessons that are broader than just the relationship between these two people? Yeah, and I think that is the point for us. Is how do we take this tiny little twenty five verse letter and and what does it do for us today? I think what we're seeing in the letter of Philemon is actually a worked example of, of the theory that's in the book of, or the letter to the Colossians. Right. So we have this community looking at, you know, if you imagine it, right? So just cast your mind back. So you've got this, 
you know, this building, which is Philemon's house. And Philemon is maybe sat there with some of his fellow believers. And in walks this guy, Tychicus, and he's got a leather bag. And there's, there's a guy next to him. And this guy is Anisimus, and they all know Anisimus. Like, oh, Anisimus is back, and he gets two letters out of his bag, and he gives one to he maybe gives one to one of the members of the of the church, and, and he gives the other letter to Philemon. And basically, what's happening is here's the theory, here's the, what you how you should behave as a church, and here is a worked example, Anisimus walking through. Here's a worked example of what to do, and if you were in that church at that at that time you would have had one of two ways of dealing with this situation. If you were just relying on the social norms of the day, you would have mm. had one of two ways. So the first one would be if you coming from a Roman background, slave owning, you'd have gone, right, here's a miscreant servant. We need to deal with this. We need to you know, make a display of his misdemeanors and punish him so that nobody else does it. And then if you, if you read the, the letter of Colossians, we know that there's some Jews in the city because that's one of the things that is spoken mm -hmm. about. And, and they would have gone to Deuteronomy and they would have read, you shall not give up to his master a slave who has escaped from his master to you. And then, so there's Paul the apostle who's sent a slave back to his master who's run away and so the jews would have gone wait a minute this is not right and the gentiles as inverted commas would have gone no minute, this is not right and paul doesn't ask for any of those two things to happen and this is why i think that philemon if we read philemon um, and we read the book of colossians it's they are revolutionary books they're books which are essentially deconstructing the social norms of the time and replacing them with something completely new and a new way of life, a new way of living, new humanity is kind of what's being described here. Mm. And he's actually not asking for any of those two things. He's asking, please receive him. Please, please look after him. Incredible, really. So, shall I just read that a little bit where, yeah. where Paul asks Philemon to, to do that? So it, it's, it's from verse 17. He says, after making this appeal, and he's he's now a brother. So Paul says to Philemon, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. And so so actually he's not just saying, you know, receive him back as a slave. He's certainly not saying he's saying receive him back as a brother. He's not even saying that. He's saying receive me back as though it's me, Paul. Yeah. The the apostle. It's incredible, isn't it? And and, yeah. and what's even more fascinating is that that word partner is is the word linked with fellowship. It comes up twice in this book. It comes up as in the word sharing, I think earlier on, I think verse six or something. Yeah, it's verse six. I pray that the sharing of your faith, that's the, that's a very similar word. And so it's got this idea of fellowship. Like if you would fellowship me, you know, yeah. you need to fellowship this guy called Anisimus. So yeah, really, really strong lessons coming out of, of this book. And so we have, have him coming into this Colossian ecclesia, the, the ecclesia of, of the Colossians, and being asked to be received, not just as a runaway slave and being put back to work, but actually as a brother, as an equal in Christ. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, is going to stand out to onlookers as, you know, this, this is unusual behavior. This is a dramatically different from either Roman social norms or Jewish practice. And, 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 you know, they might have expected this community to have followed the social norms, but this, this little Christian community is you know, following Jesus, but then they're not 
behaving in accordance with the with Roman or Jewish social norms. So, you know, something is affecting them. Something is changing them. Yeah. And and that's I think where it's really useful to read Philemon in the context of of the letter to to the Colossians. So, if we maybe just take just go to the book of Colossians and let's just read a couple of verses from the third chapter. There's a whole load of okay. stuff in here, which is re- really cool. But let's just read maybe chapter 3, verses 9 to 11. Okay, let me read that then. So Colossians 3, starting at verse 9, Paul says to this church, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Yeah, that yeah. really fits, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a great a passage. And there's lots of other stuff in, in Colossians, this letter, which is really cool. But it, just in this section in chapter three, we have an emphasis on um, a whole new way of life. Like what you've got now is a whole new way of life. And look up to the things which are in heaven rather than the day-to-day life on the earth. And particularly here, we've got this idea of putting off and putting on. So it's almost like a metaphor that they he, he uses for garments, like you put on a new clean garment or you take off a garment. And then he uses another phrase, which is this new self or new humanity or this, you know, new man. And so you've got this idea of, of this new man and and you know in particularly in our context of what we're look, looking at with this lived example between Philemon and Onesimus you've got there is no difference between slave and free but Christ is all and in all so you've got this equality now that that they're experiencing which i think is is really really powerful and at the society at that time would have gone this is super odd like what is going on there's these people who are just not really conforming with with the social norms you've got this almost like this new family structure which is is being created this new way of life and in a way it's a great way for people who don't follow jesus to look at them and go they're different what are what have they got what are they believing and so it's almost like a way of preaching as well yeah so so that behavior is is just collapsing all of those hierarchies in that that society creates to to kind of prop up the elite and make use of and exploit the, the the people, the slaves, whether workers, whatever it might be, you know, breaking all that down and, and creating this, you know, all equal in Christ um, and putting it into practice and demonstrating it in practice in this, this real situation between Philemon and, and Onesimus is fascinating. Yeah, it's so good. Not only does Paul give them the theory, he then he says, by the way, if you mm. could now just apply it in this in this situation with, with Philemon and Nismus, I think that's a it's a way of them basically saying, You've talked about this whole new way of life that's in Christ. Now we've got to go and live this new life that's in Christ. Yeah. Um and, and in this equality that they've got, which is, you know, as you as you've said, it's smashing this this social norm that that mm. people would have built up over centuries like these this hierarchy and you see it today don't you like you know class structures discrimination on all sorts of different grounds but at the end of the day if you put a bible in somebody's hand and they respond to it they're all exactly the same they all they all have a quality 
And and you might have the question about this cultural context. You know, why isn't Christianity challenging and overturning the whole practice of slavery everywhere in in the Roman Empire? And and that might be leveled as a as a criticism of the Bible of the New Testament. But but here you've got Paul. He isn't setting out to do that, but he is setting out to create within this little community a situation in which a slave is treated as as a brother, yeah. as an equal in that. And that's as powerful a way of of challenging and overturning whatever practice of slavery was in those days. Let's see if we can dive into a key point a little deeper. So we've read about Philemon and Onesimus having to apply this this new normal to their relationship and starting this process of of living the guidance of Paul. So how do we get deeper into this letter and then think about it in terms of our relationships? Yeah, so firstly, I mean, just taking that idea that we've already looked at a bit, which is that equality in Christ, we can immediately just look at that as relevant to today so you know we're currently looking at the world cup and there's lots of things related to you know prejudice isolationism issues of male and female imbalance in society open up your news app of choice and those themes are in the news today Mm. and so the bible being a great leveler of social norms and having equality in christ is brilliant and that just you know transcends all ages so we can we can get that from from a reading of, sure. of Philemon. But, you know, if you're then looking at this letter, it's a very private letter. It's a letter to an individual. And we've got it. Millions of people have read this private correspondence to this man, Philemon. And I think we can get some help for our own journey of faith by by looking at the examples that, that he draws out. And particularly the way that um, we interact with one another within within church life you know how do we how do we deal with it and and also from the way that paul constructs his argument i think that's a really interesting study where rather than sort of laying down the law and saying you know you have got to receive this man anisimus he is a brother Mm. you know you've got to put him in the church and you've got to look after him well he actually uses language of beseeching so rather than compelling he would rather beseech and appeal. And he then also, at the beginning of this, you know, if you look, let's look at verse four. It talks about, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. And then look at the end in verse 22. And it says, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I might be graciously given to you. So, there's this idea of reciprocal prayer, and that's really powerful, isn't mm. it? Like, I'm praying for you, can you please pray for me? And there's this idea of, rather than Paul laying down the law and kind of coming in really hard, he's actually coming in and speaking to a brother and saying, and appealing to him and using reciprocal prayer as a way of helping a brother who's then got to do something really okay. difficult, really yeah. difficult to do. 
And then there's an interesting word, which uh, you can look, you do a bit of study on this as well. It's quite interesting. So verse 15, there's this phrase that Paul uses, which I think is a really good way of putting people in the right frame of mind and thinking about circumstances in life. So verse 15, it says, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. And I think that's a really powerful phrase because it's it's essentially saying and there's a couple of other examples in 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 New Testament and in the Old Testament where you're essentially musing on your circumstances and going well maybe god has put these circumstances together so that um i respond in the right way or that i make the best of this situation so god has manufactured this situation to prompt the reader to be really philosophical about the situation that they're in and that makes them think okay well maybe i should respond like x y and z rather than having a massively human over emotional response to Mm. to the situation so you know just with this tiny letter i think we have some really good tips and pointers for our own interactions and our own way of speaking to people who who we share this journey of faith with yeah, I guess it's not just a case study in, in Philemon and Onesimus and their relationship. It's it's a case study in in persuasive writing and, yeah. and making an appeal and influencing somebody. It's a classic case. So we, we've already seen the strong connections with this letter and the letter to the Colossians, where we've got overlapping ideas and, and themes. That, you know, the theory and the practice. But are there are there links out to other parts of? the new testament or the bible that that help us fit it into the the overall biblical story so there's a there's a couple and i'm sure you could if you were writing a letter today you would draw on influences that you've come across before and that's really what paul is doing here so you'll Mm. see a lot of the themes that come from the letter to philemon that come up in the letter to colossians which come up in the letter to galatians etc etc so there's a whole load of common themes but also there's this idea i talked about the word fellowship before so there's strong then links with the letters that john writes so if you have a look in john then you've got these this idea of fellowship which is emphasized very very strongly the first letter of john talking okay. about how you interact with each other and again you almost get two worked examples with with the letters to john you know how to make sure that you don't receive people who are going to be detrimental to your church yep. and then another example of make sure that you let people into your church who should be a- in your church so you mm-hmm. get you know you get these ideas coming out of the letters of john so you can that's that's one route you can ta- you can take but there's also some hints of paul using the parables of jesus as well so here you go okay. here's here's a test for you then paul so let's have a look at verse 18 i'll just read verse 18 and while i'm reading it just think about think about your portfolio of parables that you've got in there. <laughs> if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything charge that to my account so where where right. what does that remind you of okay where's what's the echo that i'm hearing echo. in my mind he says pretending that he hasn't got a set of notes in front of him <laughs> at all well that sounds a little bit to me like the the parable of the good samaritan that's the one that's the one that's ringing a bell in my in my mind where he takes the the individual who's been robbed and left by the by the roadside to to an inn to look after him and he said anything charge that to my account i think those words pretty much yeah. appear 
That's right. Just like that in that parable. That's right. I, I think it's amazing that you've, you've yeah. come up with that. There you go. So the echo is strong, isn't it? And I think there's probably other echoes with other parables that Paul is drawing on in Philemon as well. Okay, cool. So, well, thanks very much, Lawrence, for helping us to think about this, this tiny little personal letter tucked away in, in the New Testament here and given us plenty to, to think about and, and, and maybe just given us a picture to imagine ourselves in as, as we go back and read it, read it for ourselves. Now, you might want to know a little bit more about that and maybe that last point about how the parables are referred to. We've got a couple of episodes in our back catalogue. There are actually some really early episodes, episodes five and six, which is about the power of parables. And there's one of those particularly looks at the parable of the prodigal son. So, you know, someone who who returns to, to his master as Onesimus returned here to his master, but returned as a as a brother and is welcomed so listen to those episodes there's two episodes that cover that so thanks again for uh, for listening hope you enjoyed it hope you found it useful look us up on biblefeed.org and all the rest of our podcasts are there and and a few blogs and videos take a look at those and leave some comments and let us know what you think and you can find us on facebook and instagram as well and we'll be back soon Mm -hmm.